0: I have, a, I have a little statement here. We're talking about partnerships this morning. And let's start with this idea. The power of one reveals one is powerless. The power of one reveals one as powerless. And I'll get to that in a moment. Let's start with three questions this morning. Number one, ask yourself, do you play well with others? Now, I'm just I'm just taking a time out to read your faces as to how you're evaluating yourself on this question do you play well with others two do you see yourself as a maverick not a dallas maverick just a maverick what do i mean by that do you like to operate independently there's a lot of us that do we love, give me that project, don't get anybody else involved that's going to mess it up, right? Just let me have at it. You're, you're an entrepreneur at heart, right? Do you see yourself as a maverick? And, and really, I'm getting to something, right? You know I'm getting to something with these questions. Third, when you invest, do you like to add or multiply? We have... We have several in this room that are in the stock market. Are you in the stock market to see your retirement just add daily? Or would you choose a fund that multiplies? Andrew, that's a pretty simple question, isn't it? He's a financial advisor. So three questions today, and hopefully when we look at this scripture, we're going to see spiritually, how do these questions get answered? How does this work within the church itself? Let's dig in, shall we? Colossians 4, 2 through 6 is the scripture that we're focusing on today as we're moving through Colossians. We should finish up next week, and then we've got three weeks of some really good special stuff, and then we enter into our summer series. Let's attenuate our hearts towards the Scripture this morning. Paul says this, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the Word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders. (coughs) Excuse me. Making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Again, the power of one reveals one as powerless. You may say, well, what are you talking about? Well, the, maybe the best way I can equate this, and some of you may get this, some of you may not. I'll, I'll figure it out by the, uh, by the decimal meter on the laughter here in just a second. How many of you went out and bought that Keith Richards solo album? Anybody? Did you even know there's a Keith Richards solo album? That's my point. Sermon done. All right? Don't you love these guys that are part of like this prolific group and somehow in their minds they think, I think I'm better if I'm by myself. And they go out and they just go like that. And then I'd love to be in the room for the conversation when they come back to the rest of the band and says, hey, you know, maybe we should get back together. (laughs) So none of you have the Keith Richards... Now you're all going to Google it and try to look for it. Please don't. Don't. Don't waste your time. This morning, this idea of the power of one reveals one as powerless. Connect that, and, and that's just one demonstration... We're going we're gonna to break that down according to Scripture and according to this passage and some other passages looking at the early church. So let's get into it this morning. The power of one reveals one is powerless. Kingdom building is increased by mavericks. Now, I, I talked a little bit about mavericks and are you a maverick? And maybe it came across with a little bit of a negative connotation if we're talking about partnerships. So why would you start here, Pastor Jeremy? Because it's true. Because there are those that they go out on their own and through the power of the one, the one individual being that one person, right? Whether it's a prophet, apostle, scripturally, or a a, a pastor, or a children's ministry worker, or a housewife, or a student, or whomever. You're given (coughs) a sole opportunity to take the message of the gospel and to build the kingdom. And so God will work through you as an individual. I just want you to be really clear on that. But secondly, the kingdom is multiplied by partnerships or partners. Right? Kingdom building is increased by mavericks, but it's multiplied by partners. And that's what we're looking at today. And we're talking about the strength and purposefulness and the strategy of being the church. And how does that work with Christ? So the power of one usually results in advancing the one. Let's look at these passages out of Acts. Acts uh, 4, 32. I'll go ahead and read it for you this morning. And it's, it really is a commentary uh, by uh, Luke, the doctor, when he wrote the book of Acts. He's, he's talking about what did the early church look like. And as it was forming, as it was coming together... If we were to get a small window into looking at it, how did it come together and, and what was their process and did they get together and did they have a stage and microphones and worship bands and pastors, really good-looking pastors with wild senses of humor. Did they have all that? Well, let's look at what really were the ingredients for a church. Verse 32, now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. Do you see the plural and the the possessive in an argument with one another here? Just in these first few words, you have this idea of the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. So a, a really good idea when it comes to the concept of the one. And then Luke goes on to say... And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. All singular. All singular. Now he switches into the plural and he says, but they had everything in common. Wow. Ask any organization today if they could get their employees to view, to act as one. And to see that they had everything in common. Even though the organization is made up of all these different individuals. What does it mean to partner as the church? And with great power the apostles were giving their testimony. Again plural. To the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. Wow. Wow. See, this is germane to the church, right? This is the whole feel the burn. This is we'll pay for your college, no worries, you won't have to pay off those student loans. This is uh, fifteen dollars an hour, uh, uh, you know, um, minimum wage. This is now I'm getting a really political here, aren't I? I have a purpose behind it because if ever there was a time in this country that we can observe and say we are fractured as a people, it's now. And it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. So how did they pull off this statement? There was not a need among any of them. Because they saw themselves as partners. They saw themselves as partners. Let's keep reading. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostle. At the apostle. Right? Like Peter. Laid it at Peter's feet. That's what it says, right? No, there's a plurality of leadership. There's a plurality of leadership. They laid it at the apostles' feet, trusting their leadership, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. This is how the early church started. Let's go a few uh, a few clicks down and let's go to Acts 8 and see what it means to be a maverick, shall we? Turn to Acts 8 if you will. This is one of my favorite stories in scripture. And I'm going to move through this quickly. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that, oh, here it is, he himself. Wow, it's not just that he. It's got to be he himself, right? That he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him From the least to the greatest saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip. Now he's becoming part of a group, right? And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter. And then what happened? What, oh, it doesn't say that right. It says they sent to him Peter and John. A partnership. Who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them. But they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, wait for it, because here it comes. He offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit." Now you're going to hear one of the greatest chastisements in all of the New Testament. Now when Simon, I'm sorry, I already read that part. Verse 20, but Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter for your heart is not right before God. And then he goes on to, to warn Simon to admonish or rebuke Simon or Simeon, however you want to say it that he needs to repent. And instantly, Simeon, growing in all of this, says, okay, I obviously crossed a line. Pray for me that I would get this. Pray for me that I would understand. Pray for me that, that I don't suffer those consequences. It's an interesting picture of what happens within the church, my friends. The churches all over America, all over the world, we support... Uh, two missionaries, Gil and Amy Medina. Well, I mean, they're together, um, obviously. And for a long time, they were working in Tanzania with international students. They transitioned about two and a half years ago to training up pastors because being a pastor in Africa is a completely different gig. It is mixed with uh, culture. It is mixed with um, uh, just... Greed, it's mixed with the attitude of, of pride and an authority and uh, self-absorption and power structure. And there is so much that needs to be learned by these men that say that they're moving into the pastorate and are called into this. many of these pastors have mistresses, and they have no clue that that's something that God would not have. So we're supporting Gil and Amy to get in there and help train this generation of pastors who have mixed culture. We do it here. We hear about it all the time in the news, right? Of pastors who have fallen, of pastors who have gotten so big in their own mind's eye that the whole thing is about them. And pretty soon it all comes crashing down because they weren't interested in a partnership. They were interested in self-promotion. Let me encourage you, be wary of individuals like that. Be wary if I ever start sounding like I'm moving in that direction. My elders know this already. And, and they take me into the back room. They do the secret handshake. And then they hit me with the Bible hard. <laughs> the power of the one usually results in advancing the one. Do you see that in this story of, of Simeon, the magician? And we see it all the time, worked around us. That this is a little bit of a dangerous issue is that, the, yes, the kingdom building can happen through the, through what? Through being increased by Mavericks. That's a reality. We can see that, but it's multiplied through partners. And the power of the one can often become corrupt. So some of what is great about partnership is you get built-in accountability, you get built-in structure, and you're able to move beyond the talents, beyond the abilities, and often beyond the challenges of the one. So let's break this down a little bit more this morning. Kingdom work requires teamwork. Let's look at verse 2 and 3 from our original passage. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. Now Paul's giving a little bit of a a salutation. It's the wrap-up to the church at Colossae. He's given some really good, solid, meaty stuff to help to get them tracking on the right level. But here's the interesting fact. Paul did not establish this church. Paul had only heard about this church through a church partner. And he heard about how they were struggling because they had allowed other things in by mavericks. And so he writes to them a letter, and then he's saying to them, What? Look, to partner with me, to share with me. Now, is that a little bit arrogant since he didn't establish his church? No, because the mindset within the early church was if you're part of Christ, if you're with Christ, we are partners. We are partners, default partners. And so he says, What? He feels the invitation to encourage them, to admonish them so that they will succeed. He says, continue steadfastly in what? What was it? What was the first thing he says? Prayer. Prayer. The power of prayer. And then being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Now what's interesting is that then he says, and I need you to pray for us. You see, he's in prison in Rome with his team. Is he there alone? No. Paul had this whole structure of support. And some of them are imprisoned with him in Rome. And so he says to them, Look, I need you, even though I've never seen you face to face, we share Christ, I need you to pray for me. And you're going to hear in a minute why he wants the prayer. So prayer is powerful and foundational to partnership and success. Let's look at Acts 9, 36. Again, going back to... By the way, I'm thinking... That in the fall we start a series on what is the church and we go through the book of Acts. So let me know what your thoughts would be on that as long as they're positive. Don't tell me anything that's not positive. Other than that. Now when we talk about the power of prayer, we've already encouraged you, we encourage you every week, write those prayer requests down on the back of the things. We've seen prayer work. We've seen prayer work this week. And I just want to encourage you, part of the challenge we have as believers in Jesus Christ is noticing when God answers prayer. You see, when we don't notice, we, don't, we just sang about His presence, didn't we? Sometimes someone can be in the room and you never even notice. Have you ever experienced that? Somebody's stuck on their phone. Somebody's watching TV and they don't even notice you. That's how we are sometimes with God. That we have laid these prayers up to Him. And He answers them. And sometimes I wonder if we've just even forgotten about the prayer that we laid up to Him. So we're we're not recognizing when with great love He has worked those things together for good. Now, we all know, many of us know, and sometimes it takes a while to see how God worked it out, right? But can I encourage you to keep looking? This is a story where it didn't take a lot of time to see what God did. But I want to emphasize what happened in the early church and the power of prayer. Plus, I love this story. The character's name is Dorcas. You've got to love biblical names. Verse 36, chapter 9. Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha. By the way, if you want evidence that in, in the early church, women were known as disciples, there you go. There's a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. I want you to notice something here. Verse 42, And it became known throughout all Joppa, and one believed in the Lord. Is that what Scripture says? Many believed in the Lord. I have a question for you. How hard have we been praying that the kingdom would increase through Concord Bible Church? We are now four months in to turning on the lights. These two lights represent lives that have come into relationship with Jesus Christ through the ministry and the people and the partnerships at this church. But, folks, we've had two lights on since late January, and we haven't turned on any other lights. Let me encourage you how this happens. Not just through your staff, but imagine if the majority of our church went to prayer over somebody they know who is hurting. And needs a sense, the presence of the Holy Spirit in their life. And just became Christ to those individuals. And asked the Lord to show and to open the opportunity and prayed and prayed and prayed. Think of the multiplication factor. It wouldn't be just one believed or two believed. It would be multiple lights. And I believe it's going to happen. I believe we're going to continue to see this happen at our church. Because I know that what happened here, the mystery of what happened is no great mystery. What happened here was prayer and the belief in prayer because Peter understood that he has a partnership with God. Peter understood that God raised Jesus from the dead. It is through that power that a heart or a life is changed. And so he prayed... And the miraculous happened. Folks, I don't know. God could. And if it does happen, trust me, I'm bringing Channel 4 News here if any of you raise somebody from the dead physically. (laughs) Alright? And then we're going to enter into a building program. Real quick. But I know that God through many of you, because I've heard the stories, that God through many of you, through prayer, you have seen God change a life and resurrect a life spiritually. Amen? Now, that is just as miraculous as what Peter did. And because of prayer, many will believe. Do you understand how the early church functioned? We've got to get back to the basics, right? I remember my math teacher said said a lot of things, and I never listened. The power of one reveals one is powerless. Kingdom effectiveness is rooted in a partnership with Christ. So let's break this down. This gets back into the passage that we're looking at. And this is our last point today. Kingdom effectiveness is rooted in a partnership with Christ. We have, to, we have to stridently see ourselves in a partnership with Christ. I know that part of the challenge I have personally in, in trying to have a conversation about spiritual things is I think that I've got to impress, that I've got to say the right things. And by the way, we're going to hear that in a moment as what Paul, Paul requested. But regardless of that challenge, how many of you parents just never say anything to your kids? Because you feel like, well, I might not have the right answer. Of course not. Because you love them. And because you have some idea of what is a good choice. Because of experience and because of wisdom. So we don't really respond in fear in that sense Sometimes we can be insecure in that. Sometimes we can doubt, are we saying the right things? Are we doing the right things? But we don't let that hold us back from saying what needs to be said or praying for our kids or leading our kids or encouraging our kids. The same stands true when we're talking about the effectiveness being rooted in a partnership with Christ. That when you see yourself rooted in a partnership with Christ as the bride of Christ, then you're doing things because of your love for Him and that partnership with Him. And we grow spiritually because when I see God work through whatever it is that He asks me to do, it, it deepens my faith beyond all comparison. It helps me know that Jesus is true. It, it helps me understand that, that God is alive that His Word is alive, that His promises are alive. But if I act as a maverick, if I just try to do it on my own, I I just don't experience that power of God. It's absent. And it makes my faith boring. So let's look at what Paul instructs us on. Right? So that we can have that clearly defined partnership. Verse 2, you've already heard it. He talks about prayer. You've got to start with prayer. Let me encourage you in this area... Five things, right? We talked about this before. Go to five things. Find those five things and start with praising God. Because if I get the right idea of who you are when I go to speak to you, right? I come down here to Chuck. Chuck is a pharmacist. So I'm going to drop some words like acetaminophen, which isn't actually anything anyway, but, you know. um, Or I might say uh, salve. Because that's just a cool word. Remember salve? Like, yeah, put some salve on that. Did you ever have an uncle that always... Put the salve on it. You'll be fine. I can come to Chuck and I can say, Chuck, what is this salve? I'd, I'd really like to know. Now, I'm not going to talk to Chuck about pharmaceuticals and say, Chuck, how's retirement going? What'd you do this past week? How's your, how's your faith rolling? How's, how's all this going? How are things going with your wife? Is there joy in your life, man? How are you seeing God working? And I can remember just his excitement about uh, certain things here and, and how he and his wife are ministering to others in the church and it brings great joy to his pastor. And I can see those things in all, I can have those conversations with with just about everybody in the room and seeing what's going on. And and you know what the benefit to that is, is that it helps me remember what I was praying for. It helps me remember what I was praying for. And then I I just stop and I'm thinking, really? Really? You were listening? Really? This is my favorite one. When I haven't seen you all for a while, and I just start praying, Lord, I don't know what's going on, and I should probably call and check in and see what's going on. Um, and, and, and I will. A year from now. But anyway, I will. And I just say, Lord, I'd love to see them. Lay it on their hearts. And then I'm like, I'm like the guy that's like, what? when you're here on Sunday. And I'm like, and it literally takes me about five minutes to realize, oh yeah, I prayed for that. And I'm like, you listened. Look at what you did, because I didn't call. I was a lousy pastor. But you (laughs) listened. And look, they're here. That is incredible. Do you see the value of prayer? Guys, I'm using obviously just a silly example. There's much more important things that we pray about. But you've got to see it to believe it. You've got to see it. So prayer deepens that sense of partnership. It gives you kingdom effectiveness that's rooted in Christ. Get impressed with who Jesus is. Because He can do so much more through you than just you through you. That's what it means to be a believer. It means to have a partnership with Christ But it also means to have a partnership with one another. Second, observance with Thanksgiving. Oh, don't get me started on Thanksgiving. Have you noticed that that is the common theme with Paul here? Who, by the way, where is he when he's writing this? Oh, that's a great place to talk about Thanksgiving. Right? Paul, when he shared his testimony, not the Apostle, but our friend Paul. (laughs) Shared his testimony on Easter Sunday morning. He talked about a, a testimony that he heard about women's ministries and and the gal that was in the MRI machine and she's finding out whether or not she has terminal cancer. He said, I was amazed to hear that her testimony was giving thanks while stuck in this MRI machine. Paul understands that to be a partner with Christ is to recognize what he's doing and to recognize what he's doing through his people and to be thankful for that and to have that mindset to be thankful for that. Third, Hope against severe odds. Wow, where'd you get that, Pastor? Well, let me, let's go back and look. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the Word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. Here you go. Paul's in prison. He recognizes it. He says a little something, a little tete-a-tete at the end of this letter. And he's saying, what? He's saying, pray that God gives us an open door. Now, I don't know if he's praying that he's released from prison. I don't know if he's praying that he... And by the way, this is kind this is the verse where we get this. I'm waiting for God to open a door or a window or a porthole or a basement cellar door. Or, you know, whatever it is we, we talk about. We're waiting for God to move. That's what Paul's saying. And what is he saying? He's obviously praying it himself. He's asking the others that he... That he he's never met. He's saying, pray for this. This is what we want to see happen. But we need your prayers. That's hope. That's hope. Why ask for that? Why ask for that from people you've never met if you don't believe that through Christ, through a partnership with Christ, that can happen. You think he heard about how Peter was in prison and the body of Christ was gathered praying? Great story. If we do that series in Acts, you'll hear about it. I'll give you a little teaser right now in case you're not familiar. Another great name out of New Testament, Rhoda. Right? Which means Rhoda. Sorry, I was just, you know, Dorcas means Tabitha. There's no, there's no secondary name here with Rhoda. It's just Rhoda. How many of you right now are thinking about that 70s sitcom? Unbelievable. That's my gift of prophecy right there. I knew what you were thinking. Peter's in prison. It's his second stint in prison. He's a, he's a twice-repeat offender. And the church does what? The church sits, and they grovel, and they're like, God has left us. Our leadership is in prison. It's, no. They are gathered in a room, and they are praying. And the door opens, and Peter just walks out. And you have to know that, that there's guards, this guy was here before, we really want to keep him in here (laughs) and he just walks all the way to this place where the church was gathered and he knocks on the door and this gal Rhoda opens the the little slide like, hello? Yeah, it's me, Peter. (laughs) Really? Goes back, tells all the spiritual people "Um, Peter's out here and all the spiritual people say Rhoda, go do the dishes, you don't know what you're talking about. Are we not those people? And Peter walks in amongst them. Paul knows what happened for Peter. He's praying, pray that they open the doors. That what? For what purpose? That the Word of God would go out. That the Word of God would go out. Hope against severe odds. Next, fulfill your calling, verse 4. That I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. He's asking for help for his ministry, for his calling. He's saying, pray for me. I partner with you. I'm not this authority over you that that's my only role. It's that we're in a partnership. And I need your prayers. And I'm saying this to you, brothers and sisters. I need your prayers. That I can speak clearly. That there is no confusion when you walk out of here today that you understand that what the church is is a partnership, first with Christ, but then together with one another. He asks for help that he may do a good job with what God has asked him to do that he may fulfill his calling. That's what we can do. Second, or or next to last, engaging others in purposefulness. What do we mean by that? Look at verse 5. Now he, he gives some more instruction for them. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders making the best use of the time. For you and I, how do we do this how do we structure our time how do we focus on what it is that we can say are we wise are we preparing ourselves for conversations we get into these moments where we could say something and our mind is flooded with all the wrong things we might say so you know we remember President Lincoln or somebody our forefather saying he who has less words is much better than the person who spews way too many that's exactly what they said And so we just were quiet. No, Paul's saying, do your homework. Do your homework. Just start with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then pray. And with that partnership with Christ and the Holy Spirit, let him do his part now. But the gospel isn't really complicated. It's amazing, but it's not complicated. Walk in wisdom. As the church, we should walk with wisdom towards outsiders. Let me just share with you, that, again, on the political landscape, there's a big protest was uh, down at a school in Santee, California, that the whole issue of the bathroom gender situation was going on. And so there were protesters that were out there that had a bunch of signs that say something to the effect of, you're all going to hell. So that stirred up another side. And next thing you know, there's fights. That's just great. Because people are going to listen to you now, right? By the way, there is a very stark reality that if, that if we don't follow Christ, that is waiting for us. And the stark reality is that we all are going to die. We all are going to either go on to eternal punishment, the Bible says, Or we can go to eternal life in heaven and glorious and rapturously beautiful life with God for those who believe in Jesus Christ. So is there a a harsh brutalness to this concept? Yes. But if you stand with a sign saying, y'all going to hell, you're not walking in wisdom. Okay? You're not walking in wisdom. And these people are fools and they don't know how to, because they haven't taken the time, they're manifesting an ugly, sinful, hatred, anger, and self-righteousness that is not how Christ walked. By the way, if you try to partner with somebody that doesn't have the same concept, doesn't have the same purposefulness, doesn't have the same strategy, you end up in conflict. It's very important that the church does exactly what Paul is talking about, engaging others with purposefulness. If you want to know what that looks like, just look at the life of Jesus Christ. Look at the example of Christ, who simply spoke truth in love, and let people make their choices. Lastly, we need to have an answer. We need to have an answer. If we were a church that brought you all up one by one and we gave you some question that you had to answer to prove your worthiness to be a partner here at Concord Bible how many of you would go to the Lutheran church down the street? I always choose the Lutherans. We just don't do that in church but do you know where we do do this? Y'all know what I just said. Just get over it, okay? (laughs) My wife has a pet peeve with it all the time. Come on, I need to have an answer here. The idea is that whether it's at work, whether it's at school, almost everything we do in our life, we have to have an answer. So why do we not take it seriously within church, with our partnership here, And I think that has been the detriment of why the church is a little anemic. Because we don't want to put that kind of pressure on anybody within the church. We want you to be able to just enjoy and come and sit and and, uh, hear the pastors say doo-doo. Right? We need to have an answer. And at no other time are the answers more readily available than now. There is no excuse for us to not have a very simple answer. You don't have to be the answer, but you can have a partnership with somebody who does have the answer. Maybe you are the person, but maybe through wisdom and how you approach others, you can take that message and bring somebody else in to help you with that message. We're doing that this summer with the summer series. Let me close by encouraging you with this. Christ demonstrated this idea of partnership. How did he do it? One God comprised of three partners yields a three-part blessing for one person. Now that's a, that's a really crazy syllogism, isn't it? But think about it. One God comprised of three partners. Have you ever wondered why God did that? Why not just be God? Why have Jesus bring redemption? Why have the Holy Spirit bring comfort and counseling and strength? Why have God sit on the throne of justice? Why is there this partnership? I don't know why. Maybe one day we'll know. But what we do know is that there is a partnership, isn't there? Jesus said in this ministry, I can do nothing apart from what? From my Father. Jesus was carried by whom when he was going through the temptation in the the desert? He was carried by the Holy Spirit. And on and on and on it goes. Jesus demonstrated partnership. Concord Bible Church partners with, are you ready? Watch this. This is what it means to be part of this church. This is how we see the effectiveness of partnering. Number one, we partner with God. And that means the Trinity. We're not leaving out Jesus or the Holy Spirit. We partner with each other. We believe in the value of the partnership here. We partner with the... Evangelical Free Church of America. Our very first speaker, Neil Brower. He'll be here June 5th. You'll hear how that benefits. A wider scope of ministry. We partner with Options for Women. Next Saturday, we have the opportunity as a church to go walk, take two hours out of your Saturday, to go walk and support and partner with them. By the way, they don't survive without what? partners. And by the way, you will never reach 200 or see 256 women who have questions about pregnancy and support. Trish might see 132 because she works in the mobile unit. But that's how many women we saw last year from options. So you see how that works on our end that if we have a conviction to help and come alongside women, that we now partner with somebody who's out there on the front lines and we support them and they're able to do something we can't really do in and of ourselves. Bay Area Rescue Mission, AYSO, Awana, Tendala Hospital. Conquer Bible Church has partners all over the world, and you can see those there. We're moving towards our lifetime summer day camp And by doing so, you are partnering with an an outreach that is going to reach people far beyond what our church normally could ever do. And by the way, we can't facilitate it. We can't make it happen financially by ourselves. We can't, and in faith, over the past six years, we've seen God do it. But not just by ourselves. God has supernaturally brought in those funds through other avenues that we give praise to when we say, praise God. We cannot facilitate or staff it by ourselves. So what has happened? Golden Hills and and a couple other churches in the area, we have had students, college-age students, come from those areas that are partnering with us and we're partnering to serve their college-age students. And all of this happens to the benefit of community outreach. What a privilege to be a partner with Jesus Christ and to be the local church. For all the bashing that the church gets, I would love and I I encourage you to ask this question next time someone wants to rip on the church. Just simply ask, could you tell me five good things that the church does? Just use five things off this list. Just five. Because we're little old church, little old Concord Bible Church. That doesn't even begin to cover all the ways we partner. Jesus' strategy for the church was never a life of independent ministry. Jesus' strategy for the church is about a life of interdependent ministry. The value of partnerships, well, let's go back to those three key questions as we finish today. Well, they're not questions anymore. Jesus chose to play well with others, didn't he? So this is something that we need to partner with Him and learn how to do. Secondly, Jesus worked as a team of three and then as a team of 12. And now, millions around the world. That's His choice. He sees the value in it. Three, Jesus is about multiplication. And thank God, He is. And this is what our church is about. The very things Paul was asking the church at Colossae to be, to be a partner with him. And how do you do that? And the beauty and power of the local church serving beyond an individual's ability through the power of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit is a wonderful, life changing thing. Let me close in prayer today. Lord, you have granted to us. Many things. Many blessings. And I am proud to say that our church, since I've come to know them and then been given the privilege of serving as their pastor, that you have gathered a people here that partner with number one, you, but number two, with each other. And as a result of that, the kingdom has grown. The kingdom has been blessed. The kingdom has increased. And lives have been changed. Father, the evil one desires to isolate us. To get us alone. To not think as a team because we're not happy with the others on the team. They just don't satisfy us. They challenge us too much. Lord, help us in those moments to see the purposefulness of being a team. Thank you today that a reminder of that is Rich and Trish's desire to stand before us and say, we see the value of being part of this local team. And as we grow as a church, that we continue to serve through your power, through prayer and thanksgiving, but we don't do it as mavericks. We do it in a partnership and as the bride of Christ, and we do it together. Father, do great things, continue to do great things through Concord Bible Church. In your name, and by the power of the Holy Spirit and through the blood of Jesus Christ, we say Amen.